Hey everyone, welcome to the Yona Pod. It is I, Evan, deep, deep, deep admirer of all things Yona of the Dawn, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Alex, who can never think of a way to follow that up. You come up with a different way of saying it every week, and I'm always like, all right, this time I've got this. No, I know. <laughs> I know I'm trying, because for so long it was just like, I'm a newcomer, and now I'm not. No, you're no. not. Yeah. But no, we'll, we'll get a thesaurus or something soon. We're just all <laughs> There we go. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> my my well of adoration runs deep for Yona. Yes. And... This week, we are here to continue the Shing arc and also finish up that bonus chapter um, that we didn't cover last week. And before we get into it, did you have any anime, manga, or just general news you wanted to share? Um, I don't know if I should share this because it's kind of embarrassing, but I did read some really good fan fiction. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely worth sharing. <laughs> it was like, it was like three hundred forty thousand words, which, for reference, uh, an a, an adult rom com is about sixty thousand words, and adult fantasy is around a hundred thousand words. So I basically read like. <laughs> four books over the past two days. You read a trilogy of like sci-fi novels. I did. It was insane. You I should not texted me about you're like it's three in the morning and I can't stop reading this. Yes. Exactly. And then I was up last night and I was like I'm so close to the end. I'm just going to knock it out and then I didn't finish it until 1am so I'm so tired today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. It was really good. It was um, My Hero Academia. Which is, like, whatever. I'm, like, lukewarm to the series, and I don't think that I'll start the manga because I just don't care that much. But there's some decent fan fiction. Which is why you're so into Snow White with the Red Hair as well. It's, like, the fan fiction that's really... Exactly. And I was like, yeah, I wanted to read some fan fiction, and I knew that My Hero Academia was a really big fandom, so that's, like, half the reason I watched it, (laughs) Um, was to be able to, like, unlock the fan fiction. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's... uh, A lot of it's pretty good. I haven't read everything, obviously. Um, But it was was Bakugo and Ochako, and it was a Grey's Anatomy AU. (laughs) I was, like, so into it. (laughs) I would intend you for liking, like, a Grey's Anatomy AU. I know! I know. I don't know why I liked it either, but it just, like, really got me. And then there was, like, really, like, specific stuff that, like was sad for me personally and so I was like sitting in my room like crying and I was like okay <laughs> it's touched me <laughs> I hope you left the author a nice comment I did I did okay, I'm sure they'd love Hi, thank you <laughs> knowing yeah that's the best <laughs> I like to tell people when I cry I feel like that's a really big compliment I don't know if they take it as a compliment but <laughs> I mean, I like when people tell me lines that made them laugh because that's why I write. I like to laugh and make other people laugh. So when they tell me that they did, I'm like, okay, good job. Well done. So, yeah. Yeah. So leave someone who wrote a fic a comment because they always appreciate it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that one was really good. I spent my entire holiday weekend on that. Um 
So you should read that. And then also A Different Perspective is my favorite. Uh, Ochako, Bakugo, fic. So if you're at all interested in that pairing or like want to check it out, maybe to see what the pairing's about, I do recommend that one over everything because it's not as long. It's like, I don't know, it's like 60,000 words or something like that. So it's about a a normal sized book. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is fantastic. (laughs) Uh, So that's what I did with (laughs) my holiday weekend. Um, I love that for you. Yeah. Um, Do you have any fan stuff you did? Not so much fan stuff. I did. I did finish two new fandom thingies, or just two new media thingies. I finished a partner track on Netflix, which I've been texting you about. It is based on, I believe, a rom com, and it is Arden Cho of Teen Wolf fame. It always comes yeah. back to Teen Wolf, Teen Wolf, and Sailor Moon on this podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, true, uh, but yeah, Arden Cho um, of Teen Wolf fame. Although she did not come back to the movie because they weren't paying her enough, and honestly, they did her dirty the first time around too. So good for her getting the lead in a completely different show um, on Netflix. Which last I checked, it was like number two on Netflix. Um, nice. Uh, so yeah, she's like a young lawyer and she's trying to become partner and she's got the world against her because she's a woman an Asian American and everybody's really sexist and awful. And she's got Dom Sherwood from, uh, shadow hunters. And he is a guy that she met years ago and had a one night stand with. And there was this kind of like almost soul connection thing, but you know, they hadn't exchanged names cause they were both, you know, going back to different places and he is just transferred to her law firm from London. And then she's also got this like rich, perfect man uh, who's super into her. And so like, that's the love triangle. And it's one of those things that's really frustrating. Cause you're kind of like Dom Sherwood is such a fuck boy. Like, why is this even, <laughs> why is this even a question? Uh, but of course it's about the passion and the feeling, which the episode, the turning point episode where she does like basically pick Dom Sherwood, um, the Thanksgiving episode, he was really cute in that episode. I will give him that. Mm-hmm. But the overarching thing, which Twitter and Tumblr seem to agree, is the per- person she has most chemistry with is Z, who is, you know, her, her the whole season she's trying to make this big deal happen with this company run also by Asian Americans. Um, so they've got that kind of, cause that's another thing she's, she's roasted by her friends multiple times about like always dating white boys and mm-hmm. just falling for like the fuck boy and everything. And you've got Z and he's actually got a really good head on her shoulders. He understands like culturally where she's coming from. Like they commiserate over having messy siblings. And it's like, you know, we always have to be perfect, but they just see our sibling no matter what mm-hmm. as you know, who they are. Um, and her big conflict as she's pushing this deal through, because she's trying to, she's in mergers and acquisitions, is she knows pushing the deal through will screw Z over because he's really into like green technology. Mm-hmm. And her client is basically acquiring them just so he can kill it because he just wants to keep like oil and gas going. So that's like the thing she's really suffering with because, you know, she gets him on her side when he's really gruff and awful to her. And then discovers, oh, he is going to be screwed over and then kind of keeps her mouth shut. And then at the end does turn it around and it kind of ends on 
you know, him being like, you know, we're going to be this team now and it's going to be great. And everybody, including myself, are like, why are you not with Z? <laughs> oh, he's buff. He's got this really deep voice. I know you don't like his facial hair. I don't like but- his facial hair. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm sure he's very charming. He <laughs> is. They just work really well together. Like, I, I even, like, at one point, even, like, he gave her his car to go home in. And, like, he's, they're, they're just really good together. And it ended on a cliffhanger that kind of implied that Dom Sherwood might have screwed her over. So mm-hmm. pick Z <laughs> is what I have to say if they get another season. So if y'all yeah. watch it, uh, yeah, come to the side of right. Ingrid and Z for the win. <laughs> um, and then there's a cute side character or side couple, which I told you about, which is her best friend and her paralegal. Well, uh, Arden chose paralegal and he's kind of lazy and she goes up to him on the first day and it's like, you know, she's the best lawyer ever, like, show some damn respect, and then he's just, like, hard-eyes motherfucker from mm-hmm. that point on. And then eventually they do hook up, spoilers, sorry, um, and then it kind of becomes this thing of him being super supportive and wonderful to her, and she's still kind of that, like, mean yeah. uh, razzing him thing, and I, I do appreciate that they do at the end, where he's just like, look, like, you know, she's disappointed, and he's like, not fair for you to take this out on me i've been nothing but supportive of you because that is something that kind of grates at me um i do love sunshine and stormy pairings but i feel like a lot of times the sunshine character just takes everything in stride and never calls out the other one so it was nice to have him call her out for being like you know you're always shitty to me and it's not okay (laughs) no i agree with that it's why <laughs> it's one of the major reasons that um, Toro and Kyo kind of make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I will always prefer. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I almost don't like sunshine uh, grumpy couples because it does make me nervous to be like, "Are you okay? Can you can you say like, hey, this isn't okay? You need to like." find a healthier coping mechanism than taking things out on me. Because yeah. a lot of times they just don't. They do just Yeah, a lot of times they don't. So if it's going to work, there needs to be that sort of moment. Yeah. Uh, so they did that, and I was really happy. Um, yeah, that's good. For them. Um, so yeah, that was Partner Track. And then I finished a book, uh, Undertaking Part in Mercy, which I told you about. It's like that rom-com, zombie, fantasy um, if you like enemies to lovers trope, if you like like secret pen pal, you know, they don't know that they're each other's pen pal, like that's big in it. Uh, extensive world building. I will say it was pretty long for a rom-com. It was like over 400 wor- uh, pages. What but- is with that? Because the my least favorite book of the year was over 400 pages. It was an over 400 page rom-com. And it's like no rom-com ever needs to be that long. Yeah, it's hard to break down because <laughs> I love rom coms and I'm here for them, but they do not need to be that long because that it it doesn't matter what's going on, it it gets stretched out too long and there's no reason for it. Which I I had gotten this book because I attended her. Um, <laughs> you mentioned I, I attended the author's event. Yeah, the, it, she's local. Um, and that was one of the things she said initially she was writing it and she wasn't worried as much about the world building because everyone's like, nobody's going to care. They're here for the romance. But then eventually one of the editors was, or I guess the editor was like, mm, you need to work more on the world building. And the world building is really cool, but I do think it's a bit extensive. Like mm-hmm. 
there's a part where like she's literally giving like a whole page of basically what's written in their religious text. Mm. And like I don't need to know this at this granular of a level when I already have a pretty good understanding of how their religion it's important because she's an undertaker and okay. yeah she's That's an undertaker linked yeah, yeah exactly so like the religion is important but i didn't need to necessarily know the entire backstory of there's this god and this god and this god created this god like there's literally a whole page of her remembering like her mother telling her the story <laughs> okay Just, yeah and i'm like that's a bit much so um i was super into it at the end uh or toward but it did take like solidly till about halfway through for me to get super invested in it um so yeah because i i think that it was just so much groundwork yeah exactly that's what happens with books that are that long that are rom-coms because it takes forever for the setup to happen and i'm like i don't need i don't need this much setup i don't need this much world building i'm here for the romance just like yeah that and that's the thing and the the, and like the letters start pretty damn quick and it's not like it takes that long for them to start yeah but there's just so much for them to really get moving Mm -hmm. um well yeah yeah so like going on my least favorite book is uh of the year is um oh shoot now i can't remember it Oh, God. (laughs) What was the one with the the Spanish love deception? That's what it was. Okay. So Spanish love deception. Um, They they get the premise out of the way in the first, like, five pages. She has a wedding she's going to. Her ex is going to be there. And she can't show up alone. So she makes up a fake boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Her work nemesis overhears and is like, I'll come with you. And she's like, you hate me. Are you just doing this to be rude to me? You're going to go and you're going to make fun of me. And he's like, literally, I'm not going to do that. And her friend is like, literally, he's not going to do that. And then she spends the next 150 chapters being like, I can't take him up on this. He's just going to make fun of me. And I spent the whole time just going like, fuck you. <laughs> and then just got worse from there. Uh, but um, yeah, so the, the premise gets set up really quickly. And like you said, in Heart and Mercy, it, the, the letters start pretty quickly. But then it just like, for some reason, drags out that first like initial premise for mm-hmm. so long for no reason. Like we're already here. Why don't we just like skip to the end? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, unlike Spanish Love Deception, I, I, it did hook me at the end. It just, it did take a really long time. So, yeah, I, I'd rate it about average. Um, well, I'm, glad it, I'm glad it didn't end horribly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is what I've consumed lately. I am now working on a couple of other books, um, one of which uh, I will reference as we recap today because it kind of ties into a point that I want to make. Okay. Um, Yeah. So are we ready to get into it? Yeah, let's jump in. All right. So we will start off with um, the bonus chapter that I didn't, or that we didn't cover last week because I only read one of the two bonus chapters uh, before (laughs) chapter 135. Mm -hmm. And this one is take care. And in it, um, the happy, uh, the happy hungry bunch has once more eaten some sketchy shit. Okay, wait, uh, just checking in. Do you still hate that name? It's 
I don't like it, but it's like <laughs> I've been exposed to it enough that I don't have yeah. a visceral reaction anymore. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Happy Hungry Bunch, uh, minus Hawk, who is elsewhere. It's never explained. It's just told, we're told that he's elsewhere. Um, have eaten some sketchy shit uh, from what they eventually surmise is a white dragon tribe merchant and or agent. Because for some reason they're keeping tracks on Gija. Uh, and similar to the time where they had that scale love potion fiasco, um, they've had some sketchy shit, uh, specifically cough drops, and it makes them very violent. So <laughs> Gija, Sheena, and Yona have all taken some, and they are just raging. Uh, <laughs> it's so damn funny. Uh, and it's up okay, to Does Zeno describe Yona as feral at some point? Because in my notes, I have that he enjoys that she's feral. Yes. I, I don't remember if it was Zeno specifically, but definitely one of them. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember if I made that up or not, but I do yeah, enjoy that. She's definitely referred to as feral. So, <laughs> Gija, Sheena, and Yona are raging. Uh, Yona's described as feral. It's up to Big Brother Jiha, Mama Yoon, and Zeno to fix them. The uh, weirdest family structure on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I have it written as I didn't know what to call Zeno, so I had put and Peggy and then crossed it out and put <laughs> Zeno. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Uh, so they need to fix them. Uh, I also really laughed hard. <laughs> at um jiha going who's that punching trees and yoon just going that would be yona of the dawn (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and i also love yona once more more going superhero she went superhero when she was trying to avoid hawk when she thought she was stinky she's doing it here uh she's punching trees she is uh punching Zena or J- Jiha as well. Um, and he's a fucking dragon. And even he says that they are surprisingly painful. And whenever <laughs> he tries to get at her, she retreats with super speed. Yeah. Uh, so she's great. And she's then, <laughs> yeah. So they're trying to figure out um, how to, so they start like helping them one by one. So Sheena is cured by the promise of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he sits down like a polite boy and waits for food. Uh, Gija is cured by being told that there's bugs, although Jiha declares that he's still a problem because what he does is immediately jump onto Jiha's back and say, move out. And he's like, to where? And he's like, to a world without bugs. And he's like, literally like dragon hand clutching Jiha's face. Yeah, you can see his like claws dig into Jiha's cheek and it like draws blood, which I think is great. Yeah, so I don't blame Jiha for being like, no, he's still an issue. That's my favorite joke, by the way, that I pointed out, uh, is that Yoon is like, all right, only Yoon is the problem now. And Jiha's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh, my God. Uh, So then that leaves Yona. um, And Yona finally begins to react when told that Hawk will be coming back soon, uh, which also made me laugh because, like, she starts looking around panic, and one of them just goes, She's getting restless. And it's like they're talking about a wild animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, I love that 
Zeno is delighted at Yona being a wild animal. <laughs> he's like, he smiles the entire time. He just thinks she is so funny uh, because one, he loves chaos. <laughs> um, and then, oh, I don't know why I said one. I don't have a follow-up for that. He just loves chaos. <laughs> yeah. It's so um, but he does smile this entire chapter, even while he's like, well, I'll let you get into it. Sorry, I stopped you too early. Um, but he smiles the entire chapter, reveling in Yona's pain. And I just said that he would be the most terrifying villain, which I'm that still on, by the way. The idea that Zeno's actually a villain—that would be. There's probably something wrong with him mentally. But a little bit. But after all he's been through, I think he would be a little off your rocker. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So it's a good thing that he's not. But also, (laughs) he does seem to enjoy this a little too much. Yeah. Um, Also, things that make me laugh are Jiha being a full freak, as usual. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he's like, whatever, she can just keep punching me. And one of them's like, you just want her to keep hitting you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fair. It's yeah, of course. Into it. Yeah. And then we get Yona being deeply embarrassed because this is when Zeno, uh, to try and get Yona to calm down, starts uh, airing her shit out and explaining all the shit that she said Hawk to Hawk at the beginning of the journey about, you know, give yourself to me mm-hmm. and all of that. And Yona loses her damn mind. She literally tries to crawl into a hole and die. <laughs> mood um i do have to wonder who taught her about sex though because she was so naive through the entire first arc and then by the water arc she like got the sex jokes and now she's like oh god now i remember what i said (laughs) i I know what i was saying back then now so i wonder what happened was it just her being like oh now i have experienced these feelings for hawk and now i get like the meaning behind what i'm saying or did somebody like did she was she corrupted by jiha (laughs) it's jiha (laughs) i guess it's the most logical explanation (laughs) Uh, but anyway, uh, Hawk comes back to see Yona still wilding out. Uh, <laughs> and again, Zeno being an agent of chaos, he tells Hawk, I think it's something like she's training to become the strongest female primate. <laughs> like that. Uh, okay. It, I didn't connect it until just now, but Hawk like does not question. <laughs> No, he doesn't at all. Instead, he's just worried about her because he sees that her hands are cut up. So all he does is he grabs her head and he's like, and the fact that he knows that this will stop her somehow. (laughs) They're so in tune with each other and it doesn't make any sense. And also he grabs her head like a basketball. (laughs) He does. He just, and then just looks at her and he's like, look, I won't teach you anymore if you overstrain yourself. And then she stops. And then G- uh, Zeno's still treating her like an animal because he goes, that's a good girl. And then <laughs> that well. Which, another column in Good Girl, uh, Hawk is the only one to do it sexy, which I appreciate. Because everybody else does it to her and it's it's vaguely patronizing or like mm-hmm. uh, adult to a child. Yeah. <laughs> it's like smoldering. Yeah. Oh my god, okay. This is such a fucking wild chapter. <laughs> such a wild chapter. Uh, and I love at the end where 
they're all kind of oblivious as to what happened. And um, you are not you. Uh, Gija's just writing back to Granny like, "Thank you for the cough drops. Please send some more." And Gija's like, "Uh, no." <laughs> Poor Jiha having to be the voice of reason. Yeah. You know he hates that. Yeah. Also, this is not going to be the last time we see these cough drops. Excited. Oh, I don't remember that. And don't tell me. Don't tell me. I, I will be surprised. Is what yes, I I'm pretty sure. I hope I didn't just make it up, but I okay. feel like we'll come back. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So that is the end of that bonus chapter and now let us get to the next actual chapter and chapter 135 a familiar face and we begin with first of all a new volume with a great cover you've got yona and hawk being two of my favorite tropes back-to-back badass badasses slash battle couple yeah i love this uh this cover it's they look great they look great um, and then the chapter cover reminds us that we were introduced to OG in a flashback of Hawk and Suwon as kids because the cover is him. Also, I love that they're so small compared to him. Mm-hmm. Compared to OG. Like, oh, they were just babies. Just babies. Uh, so um, anyway, we begin with Hawk correctly guessing that OG still meets with Suwon. And that he pretends not to know who Juan is, but actually knows the truth. Mm-hmm. And also that OG is gathering intel on Shang for Suwon. And- By the way, Hawk is so smart for sussing that out. Because he's like, yeah, I mean, I know that Suwon lies to you, but I also know that you probably know who he is, too. So, like, he wasn't giving anything away. He read the situation really quickly. Hawk's smart. I don't think that he gets enough credit for that. Yeah, he's great. Big, beautiful brain. <laughs> um, so uh, Hawk also surmises that OG suspected the truth that Suwon killed King Eel, mm-hmm. despite the prevalent rumor that Hawk killed Eel and fled with Yona before being killed themselves. So OG is just in shock and asks what they want of him, assuming that Yona wants revenge. Uh, however, she insists that she just wants to meet with Suwon for the sake of Koka and Shing. Um, yeah, I, re- I like that she says, uh, he asks her about revenge and she says there's something way more important. So I feel like she's made it very clear where her, where revenge lies on her list of priorities, which is shocking to basically everyone that she meets. Yeah, yeah. And that's a really important thing in this chapter. Um, I also have in my notes, help me, Oji-san, you're my only hope. Uh, (laughs) Which is Uh, funny because he's like, no help at all. (laughs) Oops. uh, Uh, Wait, before we go on too far, I I found Oji really interesting this time around because I feel like he's... His loyalty is pretty unique. We've mm-hmm. seen people who are like one over one way or another and they're like either I'm following Suwon because logically he makes the most sense or I'm following this person because like <laughs> this person, Yona. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I'm following Yona because she like makes me feel nice and she makes me feel cared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Oji is like maybe the only true neutral person uh 
because he's only backing Suan because like that's how everything shook out and he's like yeah. okay, well maybe like, he didn't. honestly he's good for the kingdom he says yeah. later in the chapter yeah he's good for the kingdom but also like he did some bad things but also his friends are dead so like it doesn't matter I'll keep backing him anyway and now that the friends are alive he's like mm, that doesn't really sit right with me but like he's like straight neutral and uh, he'll just keep ally- allying himself with the winning team and I, I think that makes him pretty unique. I don't yeah. think we have another character like him. So yeah. that was interesting to explore. For sure. So meanwhile, back where the dragons are imprisoned in Shing, Mizari has brought back the medical supplies mm-hmm. and requests that Zeno cut off and reattach his arm as payment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And... While Zeno is down to do this, Jiha spares him the agony by showing off how he can enlarge his leg. And everyone is amazed knowing that Jiha has refused to do this in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I laughed really hard at the, we, the audience, don't get to see him enlarge his leg. We just get a panel that says, please stand by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also really enjoy that trope. I know it's a trope and I don't know what it's called of like something that, that's been hinted at and you like will never see it, but sometimes you'll see reactions to it. Yeah. I do think it's funny. It's hilarious. Uh, and this display further fa- uh, wins favor from Mazari, who is able to also procure meat and blankets for the captives. Mm-hmm. And now we go to check in with our girl, Lily. She is... Before we go too far beyond this, I have two things to say about this scene. One, I looked up the word Sansan because that's the town they're in in Xing. Yeah. I I had it in my notes and then I just said Xing because I wasn't sure. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually don't know how to pronounce it. It might be Sansan. Um, But I looked up the meaning of it and I couldn't get a real definition. Uh... I did see that I think in Thai it means three, which I was like, okay, they have three stars with Corinne, but that didn't mean much. So then I typed in Korean and Sansan E with like dash I at the end uh, means apart. Hmm. That was interesting because it's pretty apt for this section. They're split up from their girl. Uh, and also, I think it's really fun to watch them be treated like zoo animals. Yeah. They're, like, having experiments done on them and not treated as real people. And it's, like, sad and horrific, but it's really interesting. Um, and I think that Shing is kind of like this alternate universe of what could have been. Like, one, what if Hawk and Yona were all still alone and doing everything, like, just each other? And then also, what if the dragons were gathered by someone corrupt instead of Yona? Um, and there are more what ifs, which is what was making me think of this. I don't remember if anyone remembers who has this like theory or meta or whatever online, please point it out to me. Cause I know I didn't come up with this alone, but Shing is um, there's, there's one specific part of Shing that is kind of like a, a what if, um, which we can get into later in the arc, but yeah. um, the starting of it is things that I thought of with this scene in particular. So anyway, kind of alternate universe if the dragons had been collected by somebody bad. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Sorry. So many now now Lily. Right. No worries. So we check in with our girl Lily. She is visiting Hiryu Palace and Suwon. And she's curious as to how he recognized her back when they met. 
Uh, which I feel like this is a weird time to bring this up, but I'm not mad about it. Oh my god, it made no sense to me in my notes. <laughs> I have that Lily says, can I borrow this book? And Sawan goes, when are you going home? And Lily goes, anyway, unrelated question. Yeah. (laughs) This scene makes no sense to me, but I fucking loved it. Yeah, it's great. It's just a weird time to bring this up. It's a weird time to bring it up. Yeah, which is specifically, she wants to know how he recognized her back Mm -hmm. when they met, because they hadn't met before. And it turns out that he did see her a few years ago because uh, he was visiting the Water Tribe, and she was presented as a future bride to him by her father, Oh my god, do you know what I just thought of? What? There in the pilot, the first chapter, he said something about having talks about marrying someone. Oh yeah. Was that about Lily? Was that about Lily? Oh my god. Full time. (laughs) I'm gonna cry. (laughs) That's exciting. (laughs) No, I have no idea who it was about, but I wonder if it was about Lily. Also, I totally forgot that they got more scenes. For some reason, I thought they just, like, stopped talking after the last arc. So I'm really excited to have forgotten all about Shing because this is, like, Christmas Day for me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, hey, Lily and Suwon are talking again. Exactly. Um, and Lily is not about the idea that she could be paired with him. She's even grumbling knowing that this is why her father probably sent her to the palace at this time. Mm-hmm. And Suan agrees. Cause he's also like, don't worry. I wasn't into it either. Um, and obviously I would once more like to point out that this would make them ideal in game because the irony is so fun. So fun. Ah, love it each time. I mean, it's like, cla- it's a classic trope, like pride and prejudice. Yeah. Uh, I want to say Kira Knightley. That's not right. <laughs> Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth Bennett is like, you're the last man on earth that I would ever be prevailed upon to marry. And she does. Yeah. You know, that's how romance works. Mm-hmm. So Lily wants to go with Suwon when he visits OG next, but Suwon refuses to let her because she'd make too much noise, which honestly <laughs> fair. <laughs> she is not a subtle lady. It's true. Um, so he lends her the book that she wants, which I think it's something about like legends of Coca's founding, which I think shows what a good leader she's becoming, that she's interested in these sorts of things and their history and everything. Oh, that's interesting. I assumed she just picked it up because now she knows the legends. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. Just the fact that she's researching more about it is this. Yeah, she wants to know things. And I like that about her. Um, but anyway, Suwon lends her the book she wants and then shoves her out of the library where she bumps into a servant. And it is a blast from the past. He's not named here and he might be hard to remember, but Lily notes that he's moving stiffly as if injured. (laughs) Yeah, I I guess you're right. He would be kind of hard to remember. Yeah, I wanted to look us up. Okay. Continue. Yeah, but. I wonder how many people recognized him here because I think that's one of the things Kusanagi said in one of her notes about like starting this series many, many years ago. I think she's talking about specifically bringing OG back and everything. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. readers for the first time, this would have been years. So, would they have noticed this character from the very Yeah, early? that's a good question. I feel like, okay, so I, I looked it up and I found. <laughs> I found something else that we had texted about, but I remember reading this for the first time and I was like, this is super random. He like 
died died <laughs> yeah and because Nagi explains it later in a side panel um I don't know if you want to wait until we get to the side panel to talk about it but um yeah I remember <laughs> I remember texting you about it so I I feel like I remembered him but I don't remember when I remembered him I don't know if it was after they were like mean Sue or if it was like there but yeah I feel like I remembered him Oh, but then again, yeah, like you were saying, it wasn't years for me. So never yeah, mind. Yeah, it wasn't years for us. We were binging it. But never yeah, it's <laughs> It'll be formally confirmed uh, later uh, in this bit. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, for the Wait, time Wait, before, before, okay, so before you get to apply, the thing that I accidentally found was that um, there was a little clip of Kiki Palmer <laughs> doing an interview. And she goes, is Kiki Palmer? And she pulls off the thing and it says dead. She goes, ah, oh, they fucking thought I was dead. to <laughs> 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 do with Moon Sue. So I'm going to, I'm going to tweet that out later today. But so back in Kuto, Yona feels the weight of being in a place that she traversed in childhood with Hawk and Suwan mm-hmm. back when they were the best of friends. Um, so sad. It will so never sad. stop being sad. I know I say this every time, but like it does get me every time. Yeah, same. Uh, OG gets them to a meeting place and says that he left word with Suwan. He also admits that he told Suwon that Hawk and Yona are there as an act of self-preservation for himself, but he will have the area surveyed in case they need to escape. And Hawk, once more being super smart, says that things will be fine because Suwon, Judo, and Gente all know that he and Yona are alive and that while the generals would arrest him if they thought that the rumor was true and he had killed killed eel he knows that they know what really happened so as long as they play nice he doesn't expect a scene and here we really see that in hawk's eyes the betrayal really runs past just suan because he says that to him they're all guilty of the same crime but he'll ignore that for now given that his friends lives are on the line oh uh, that's a good point that i didn't think of because, yeah, they did also sort of help raise him. Yeah, it's something I hadn't thought of prior to this chapter as well, because he's been so focused on his rage at Suwon. But, yeah, Gente and Judo are complicit. These are people he expected to uphold. That's you know, true. And the- it does go along with his, like, sort of... This is such a minor, like, journey for him that I don't even know if Kuznagi did it on purpose. But I pointed out, like, in the first arc that... He had to learn that, like, leaders weren't black and white, and he thought that that King Eel was great, and he was going to serve him no matter what happened, and, like, you can't say anything bad about him, and he had to learn how to, like, take criticism and, and criticize King Eel as, like, an imperfect ruler. So this is a continuation of that journey of learning, like, your elders aren't perfect, and they yeah. do, like, mess up, and that's part of becoming an adult is learning that like people can do bad things even though they're older than you and should know better yeah that was actually a theme in the the book i was mentioning earlier um undertaking of heart and mercy heart Mm -hmm. has this whole thing where his mentor he's a marshal um and his marshal mentor died when he was 19 and it's really fucked him up. And it's one of the reasons he had a rift with his coworker slash best friend, because she's like, first of all, it's like you're 30 something now and you're still really fucked up about this. And like, it's not that normal to still be this raw about it. And yeah. I guess the thing that made them have a rift was 
um, her basically being like, look, Bill was not perfect. Like he had a daughter and a wife that he abandoned. Like he's not this perfect person. And he just, and Hart didn't want to hear it. Um, so it kind of caused this rift. And then when he and Mercy are having their big fight, um, he tells her about how Bill died and how he feels really guilty about it. And Mercy is basically trying to alleviate his guilt by being like, look, I know you're saying this is a man who had a strong moral compass, but you were 19 years old and he, a grown ass man, put you in this situation. Yeah. And like, that's not okay. And he just, it's so awful to him. And like, she's even making him see because he's got his own mentee now who's the same age. And she's like, could you imagine putting pen in that situation? And he can't, but there's still that idea of like, this is my perfect person. This is who I followed that it really just. Yeah. And rages. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. That's always a really uh, interesting content. There's, uh, a line in Dorian Gray that I always remember. It's like, uh, we begin by loving our parents. Uh, as we get older, we judge them. Sometimes we forgive them. Hmm. Yeah. So there's I just can see that. why that would resonate with you. Yeah. <laughs> that is correct. Like, that is a good line. Yeah. So, yeah. Always an I, that wasn't pointed, by the way. I hope you didn't. No, know. I know it wasn't. Okay. Okay. No, no. But just... Uh, yeah, always an interesting conflict to get into. Always an interesting conflict, yeah. And definitely something that is like a coming-of-age situation. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting here reminding us that, you know, for Hawk, his found family comes first because he's the best boy. Mm-hmm. But let it not be forgotten that he, unlike Yona, probably would go for revenge if he could. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I did note his line. He says, I won't act on my feelings. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's such a good line for Hawk because he like he would. But in this in this situation, he's like, my friends come first. So, yeah, but like he still got that that rage in there. Yep. Um, Also, Hawk, ever the most attentive to his lady, asks Yona if she's okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. She admits that it's a lot being back in Kuto and so close to the palace after all this time. Meanwhile, Oji recalls how, as children, Hawk and Suwan work to rescue a kidnapped Yona, and he asks himself what Yona and Hawk have asked themselves many times. How did they all get here? Uh, Q Paramore. <laughs> Decode. I used to know you so well. Yeah. I myself. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. That was great. But... Uh, Yona knows just as Hawk does that feelings must be must be pushed aside, not just for their friends, but for Tao and her nation. Mm-hmm. So this is when supposedly Suwon arrives, but it's not Suwon. <gasps> it's the servant Lily bumped into late earlier, formerly identified as my best boy, Mean Sue. Alex, I must say, was the best at keeping this death that wasn't a death secret. Oh, good. I was really proud of this one. (laughs) I was so fucking shocked to find out he was alive. And then I just had, like, this replay in my mind of all the times I'd lament about him on this podcast. And you agreeing with me without even, like, a hint of wink, wink, wink. Like, it was, you kept it so under wraps. Oh, good. Okay. I feel yeah. like I ruined a lot of things for you, so I'm really happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it was the biggest like plot twist for me. I was like, oh my god, my boy's alive. My boy's alive. 
Um, okay, so what I really like about this scene, this ending scene, other than, you know, Minsu being alive, is that they think it's Suwon coming in and they don't reach for each other. Like, Hawk and Yona don't. They, like, trust each other to be strong. And he, like, he does check in with her, but it's not like she needs to reach for his hand for strength. She's already strong on her own. And he also has done the work to, like, overcome his need for revenge. And he has already mentioned, like, hey, I'm not going to do that. Like, we're going to be chill. And he doesn't need her to hold him back. They're, like, yeah. they they are good on their own, but they've also helped each other to get there. So I think yeah. it's really nice that they just, like, they stand there as two separate people. Yeah, that's a really good point. Oh, I love them. They're the, <laughs> they the, they the blueprint, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so it's on this note that we end this chapter, although we are gifted with a sketch of sweet baby Gija as a 16-year-old. Oh, he is baby. He's so cute. Yeah. Uh, but onward now to chapter 136, A Message. Uh, to begin with, the cover is so friggin' cute. Um, the Happy Hungry Bunch are having a slumber party pillow fight. Uh, special mentions to how delighted Yona looks watching and how happy Gija is to hug a pillow after roughing it in the wilderness. Oh, I did not understand why he was so happy, but that makes so much sense. <laughs> They're all roughhousing, and he's just, like, cradling this pillow with the most serene look on his face. Timely comfort. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, I did not get that. (laughs) That's really funny. Uh, The thing that I noted was that my favorite part of this is, uh, aside from Yona, because I also love how delighted she is, that Hawk and Jiha are ganging up on Zeno, who, like, does not see it coming. Yeah. I think they're cute. They're perfect. Ah, I love them. Uh, we also get a sketch of Demon Suwan. He can kind of get it, honestly. Moving on, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Also, that does make sense for you because I it didn't it didn't do anything for me. But I'm not into that sort of thing. But you do like the creatures. I do. I I'm a bit of a monster fucker. Yeah, just a little. Uh, bit, though. you're not like wild, but yeah, I, I wouldn't fuck the thing in Shape of Water. <laughs> Like that's the lie. <laughs> like the fish? Yes, absolute monster fucker. Mm, probably not. It's just a little bit of a monster fucker. <laughs> um. So into the chapter itself, Yona and Hawk are as shocked as I was to see Minsu alive. Uh, Yona recalls how he was instrumental in allowing them to flee the castle, um, but Minsu won't accept their thanks when, to their shock. He reveals that he's now in Suwon's service. Yeah. Um, do you remember, do you, do we want to wait to talk about this? Because, no, I feel like we shouldn't. Do you remember the side panel where Kusnaki talks about Minsu is still being alive? Uh, I don't remember seeing it. I could okay. just dip it if you want I think I think it comes a little bit later, maybe in the next chapter or two. But she's like... Yeah, a lot of readers were really confused as to how he could be alive because they watched the anime and he got hit with like 17 arrows. And I was like, well, in the manga, he only got hit by one and I was always planning to bring him back. So sorry, guys. (laughs) Oh, so the anime fucked it up. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so that's why everybody's like, what the fuck? How did he survive? No, she she did not mean for him to get hit with that many arrows. That's the reason it's still there. (laughs) Okay, good to know. 
Um, I also thought that this is the perfect time to bring Minsu back. Um, if you're going to bring him back because mm -hmm. Yona is finally facing the life that she had to leave behind. And he is the, or, sorry, thus the perfect metaphor of what was unwillingly sacrificed to get to where they are. So she is Ooh. facing the past in full. Ooh, good point. Thanks. <laughs> I get a, I get like maybe one or two in a jar of complete <sighs> no thoughts head empty. <laughs> get so many points. You're just hard on yourself. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so um, Mensu brings in Suwan's message. He, uh, Suwan, refuses to meet with Yona and dismisses her request by letter, saying that Corinne's hatred of Coca will not make peace possible, so he'll settle it in battle. <laughs> and Hawk knows how attractive war is to Suwan, since it'll make once more that colonizing motherfucker stronger. <laughs> and he calls out Mensu, who used to admire Eel's peaceful ideals. He even asks if Ming-Su is being pressured to keep quiet about what really happened the night Eel died. Mm -hmm. And this is when Ming-Su admits his history with Suwan. His mother attended to Suwan's mother. Uh, and he himself served that household until his appointment at the palace. And then Vold cuts in here with a good question. Was Ming-Su a spy for Suwan? Mm -hmm. And I love and am emotional about the stricken looks on Hawk and Yona's faces here, because can you imagine what their headspace is in this moment? Assuming that when the world turned upside down, one of the few people in their corner was actually part of the evil. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Cause yeah, they were just, they were just so happy to see that he was alive and to have to, immediately rewrite their history and be like oh you were not nice to me after all even though they like yeah they they feel like they owed him their lives and now they can't oh yeah that must be yeah. it's like god you know they're in turmoil right now god huh. they never catch a break <laughs> never catch a break uh but thankfully, small mercy, my boy Minsu was not a spy. However, he was an oblivious source of information because Keyshook, that bitch, always a bitch, uh, would. <laughs> okay, so she says this because we were having a conversation about it with the new chapter this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like Keisha, a bitch, and I was like, he was actually a pretty logical, so like half a bitch. <laughs> He's just that I'm that I can't remember if I mentioned this one, but I'm that meme where it's like, bitch, blocked, unblock me. I need to say something. Okay, <laughs> unblocked, bitch. <laughs> that is something with Keyshook. Fair enough. I'm not his biggest fan, but I don't think I hate him as much as you do. This <laughs> is so annoying. Uh, I can't wait till we get uh, to the point uh, where I texted you about years being added to my lifespan with regard to Keyshook suffering because I oh, want yeah. I'm going to post our text exchange. Okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so wait, um I I felt really bad for Mean Sue right here because he does like when when he's explaining that he wasn't intentionally a spy, but he ended up doing it anyway and it probably did lead to King Eel's death. Um because he was so young and he was so naive and he trusted these people and they used that against him. And he and Yona both had this like 
young naivete that they don't have anymore. They're not allowed to have anymore. Um, and it's sad to see because he was a like bright young man. And now he's kind of like, like deeply sad and world weary. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's what happened. Um, yeah. Kishuk would visit him regularly in the palace and chat with him. Yeah. And as a result, Minsu feels partially responsible for Eel's death and, um, tells Yona and Hawk that they may enact revenge upon him so that he can atone. Yeah. Yeah. However, Yona immediately pushes that notion aside and insists that he atoned just by helping them escape and, you know, respecting and still, you know, having that respect for her father. And she also says, besides, I don't want hatred to be what drives me through life. I want to break this war and break this cycle of hatred. Listen to Daylight by Taylor Swift. (laughs) yeah yeah the end of daylight if you aren't into taylor swift uh she says i want to be defined by the things that i love not the things that i hate yes that's all i could think of through this scene that's absolutely yona mm-hmm. and i feel like this is such an important line because it once more shows how yona differs from suwan and corinne who are both in the i must avenge my father slash i must avenge my people camp and even differing from Hawk, because she he's in the I want slash plan to get revenge, but my loved ones must come first. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's only been hinted at so far, but when we get into really exploring the history of Yona and Suwan's parents, I want to return to this line because like Yona really is a cycle breaker of generational hatred and betrayal. Mm-hmm. Like this beyond mm-hmm. this arc. It's a whole thing with her. <laughs> True. Uh, you you mentioned that she's opposed to uh, Corinne and Suan, who both definitely want war. And I did point that out earlier, um, right when Minsu starts talking to them. I thought that it was, I think it's funny that um, Suan and Corinne are on opposing sides, but have the exact same opinion on talking and compromise. So they're like, I'm not going to compromise. I think talking is stupid. Yona, you can try, but, like, you're not going to get anywhere. They're, like, they have the exact same, like, stance and ideology just on, like, completely opposite sides. And it's uh, dangerous, obviously, because, like, things are tense and they're going to go to war. But I, I just think it's funny that they're, like, billed as opposites, but they're not really. They really are not. Um, Also, I think it's a it goes back into what you said about Shane kind of being an arc of AUs um, mm-hmm. because Corinne is very much what could have happened to Yona if she had been consumed by her trauma. Okay. Yes. That is what sparked my idea of Shane being an AU because somebody brought that up and I don't remember where I read this or who mentioned it to me. So I'm so sorry if you did tell me so I can give you credit, but yeah, somebody said that Corinne is what would happen if Yona let herself be consumed and let herself fall into the trap of, yes, I do want revenge. Um, so, yes. <laughs> I'm glad that you pointed that out because I was going to wait to bring that up for later, but you already got it. So, <laughs> cool. Uh, wait, before we move on, though, uh, I did want to point out the line way at the beginning of this chapter. Uh, Minsu says, His Majesty believes talking to you, Yona, uh, won't accomplish anything. Uh, so, just another point in the column of, Suwan does not think much of Yona, if anything. He uh, definitely underestimates her still, even now, even after the Water Tribe and 
nope, she didn't help and say it, even after the water tribe, <laughs> when she was uh, really badass and stood up for herself. He still like, he watched all of that happen and was still like, mm, okay. Yeah, it's, it's one of his big blinders. Um, one of his big blinders, yeah. So Mean Sue is brought to tears by what Yona says and uh, also her telling him that she also has the selfish reason of wanting to prevent war to save her friends who are now family mm-hmm. who are stuck back in shame, which leave it to Yona to be like, it's selfish of me to want to save other people's lives. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I did note, by the way, when she says they're family now, that means Sue looks kind of... Um, he looks like he gets a pang of regret. You know, I feel like it's because he helped kill her dad, which is like her only family. And now she's talking mm-hmm. about having a family and he's like, Oh God, like you had and to now- find your own family. Cause I killed yours. Yeah. And now they're in danger. And now they're in danger. Jeez. Oh my God. I just want to give Yona a hug or like make, make the boys give her a hug. Mm-hmm. They should all like puppy pile. <laughs> um, so Minsu then tells them that Suwan plans to attack Shing with the Sky and Wind Tribe armies. Mm-hmm. And on this note, he takes his leave, overwhelmed, thinking of how Yona is still a ray of light who can crush his guilt and do so much while he, in his own mind, has done so little. And he even wishes he could talk to King Eel about her. And I'm in my feels. Oh my god, that is so tragic. And also I really appreciated it because... I feel like it's really easy to villainize King Eel. So I'm glad that we have another character that loved him and saw the good in him. And like, he was a bad ruler, of course, and they all have to grapple with that. But at the same time, he was like a good, debatably a good man. Um, Some people don't think so. And they have a right to think so. But um, he was good to those he was good to. So like, Mean Sue, Yona, and Hawk, he was very kind and warm too. And they, you remember him fondly. And I like that they continue to remember him fondly despite knowing that he really fucked up the country. Because that's realistic and it makes sense. Like, you're going to love your loved ones regardless of if they fuck up. Yeah. And I, I remember seeing that um, as a commentary on Tsar Nicholas, um, father of Anastasia, the last Tsar of Russia before the mm-hmm. revolution, is I, I read that as a criticism of him is that he was, or a commentary on him that he was a really, really good father, but a really shitty Tsar. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, true to life. Um, yeah. um, so, where was I? Oh. I love that Minsu here also continues to address Yona as your highness and general Hawk, despite their technically not having those roles anymore. Hawk, especially like he gave up being general. Mm, that's true. But of course, Minsu still respects them as that. Yeah. So I love when they still get that from somebody. Um, and I also love Hawk noting the wind tribe because those are his homies. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, okay, you're fucking with my family now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Minsu returns to Suwan to report what happened, wondering if Suwan really sees war as the best option when it could bring Yona more suffering. And Suwan responds that if a king is ruled by his personal feelings, his nation will fall to ruin. Um, I and- thought it was interesting that he said this right after the King Eel flashback. Because yeah. that's all King Eel did. And now Suwan is overcorrecting and ruling without emotions at all. Um, 
<laughs> well, and then I put, well, he's trying. <laughs> he's, sometimes he doesn't always succeed. He does get those like panicked moments of like, oh, those are Hawk and Yona. Okay, I gotta like push that away. I can't feel anything. All right, back to business. Um, so for the most part, he's ruling without emotion. Um, so I think it's interesting that like he clearly has taken King Eel's reign as what not to do and gone in the complete opposite direction and like really overcorrected. Uh, And it seems to be working out so far. So we'll see if that continues. Yeah. Um, I had something similar in my notes that once more, he's being a compartmentalizer Mm -hmm. and believing emotions in weakness, uh, believing emotions are weakness um, remains central to his character. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was the thing I was mentioning earlier that uh, it's, Reminds me of this book I'm reading right now. I bought this book uh, called The Myth of the Goddess, Evolution of an Image. And it's um, examining uh, goddess worship uh, throughout history and how it's changed and what it says about us now and before. And it's central. I'm not very far into it, but its central thesis is that uh, the way we've changed our perception about goddesses or whatever kind of reflects our feelings about femininity and emotion. Uh, thankfully I had these highlighted because I'm, I'm going to fuck it up. Um, <laughs> but it mentions that uh, from Babylonian mythology onwards, which is tw- uh, 2000 BC, the goddess became almost exclusively associated with nature as the chaotic force to be mastered. And the God took the role of conquering or ordering nature. Uh, Yet this opposition had not previously existed. Uh, And it also says in relation to that, that for the last 4,000 years, the feminine principle, which manifests in mythological history as the goddess and in cultural history as the values placed upon spontaneity, feeling, instinct, and intuition had been lost as a valid expression of the sanctity and unity of life. So that basically at one point there was this shift where being all up in your feelings and leading with that came to be seen specifically as feminine. And then there was this turn of, okay, the man has to conquer that and put that in order. Hmm. So thinking of that in mind, that is something I hadn't realized here in relation with Suwan and Yona, but that is a common argument. The idea that women are emotional and men are logical and women aren't suited to rule um, because they're too emotional and, oh, they have PMS and yada, yada. And I'm not saying that Suwan is like intentionally sexist, but looking at it from that um, perspective, it is really interesting because that is a common critique of why women can't rule. I would agree, except for the way that he treats Lily. I don't think that I think that he's sexist. I think that he knows Yona to be kind of an airhead and knows that her father was kind of raising her in his footsteps. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's intentional. I'm just saying that it relates to a common argument that sexists make. It just happens to match. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I I can see that. I just think he's he's only accidentally sexist toward Yona specifically and not like women. Yeah, no. Sorry to defend Suwon. No, no worries. No, I just thought it was interesting to come at it from that perspective. No, that is that uh-huh. that was an interesting um an interesting 
idea, I guess, that I hadn't thought about. Um, Yeah. Yeah, just somehow Yona's somehow our spokesperson for emotions, which just happens to be, you know, female. Yeah. uh, In most people's minds. Um. So during this scene, Minsu thinks of how he was spared death because of his family history with Suwon. And he notes that he despises Suwon still, but privately admits that a king might not make any progress if he embraces kindness. True. So again, things not being strictly black and white. Um, and back in OG's meeting place, Algira and Vold are reminding us audience members what's at stake here. Execution for the dragons if Fiona fails. Yes. And um, I remembered, I'm pretty sure the pun that I was like, oh, it makes sense now, is Shinayan? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it flowed really well. I'm pretty sure that's the pun I was thinking of. So it works a little better in, like, the fan translation. But gotcha. It, none of the other ones really matter. So, you know, who cares? <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go on. No worries. Um... Hawk then asks Oji to help deliver a message to the Wind Tribe to defy the king. And Yona's startled, knowing that Hawk has wanted to keep them out of their conflict with Suwon. Mm-hmm. However, Hawk reminds her what Moondock once said. Someday you may confront despair once again. If you ever need help, the Wind Tribe will be at your side, no matter who stands against us. And Yona is so yeah. <sighs> It's That's so funny. great. Um, a couple of things chapter six or something coming back to be like hey that was pretty obvious and now we're we're finally getting the payoff yeah so um first of all love the panel of yona looking devastated and hawk looking at her with this determined look right before he makes his ask of og Mm -hmm. i just feel like it's a visual reminder of what motivates him love and friendship oh yeah that's true yeah yeah he's got a big heart he does, as crotchety as he can be. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also love the lines formally being drawn in the sand here. Um, as we just said, we've been new that the Wind Tribe has been ready to pull up on behalf of Hawk and Yona, but <laughs> now the time has come. Um, and I think you could say that this also highlights Suwon's weaknesses and blind spots because, yes, he has to make tough decisions, but with one of his central goals being tribe unity, he's not considering right now how conquering another nation could lead to frisson in the lands he currently rules. Because a king may not deal in kindness, but his people might. So, okay. yeah, so here he is. You know, one of his central goals is keeping the tribes united Mm -hmm. but the wind tribe have this loyalty this emotion this familial familial feeling towards hawk and yona so they're going to support them no matter what and this isn't something i think that suan would really i mean he has in the past when he's like hey we can't fuck up right now when he Mm -hmm. stopped judo from going after hawk but right now it's in his quest to conquer another nation it's like now you're actively like starting to fuck up your current nation if unity is your goal yeah i see where you're coming from i've literally never thought about this before so i feel like suan is probably like yeah hawk's not gonna go back to the wind tribe before we get out we we like roll out the troops basically Mm -hmm. um and i don't think 
Because you're coming at it from not strictly like, hey, we need to save our friends. It's just the Wind Tribe not wanting to kill people randomly, right? Is that what you're saying? Like, kill people for the sake of conquering rather than anything else? Because I feel like he probably sold it to them as they are hostile and they're going to attack us, so we need to be ready. Yeah, I was just coming at it from not even that, just the idea that they're going to swing for Hawk and Yona no matter what. But that's assuming that, like... Hawk and Yona are going to be able to get to them in time and be able to say, hey, don't do this. I don't think he assumes that's going to happen. Yeah, and that's why I'm calling it a blind spot. Okay. That he wouldn't... That, first of all, he wouldn't... uh, Or that... Because he knows, at least now, that Hawk and Yona are asking them... of uh, Asking this of him. Presumably, wherever Yona is, Hawk is. So yes. at the very least they're nearby and the idea that he can just be like, mm, I'm not going to do what you want. Oh, okay. So you're saying it's a blind spot seeing that like, if he won't answer to them, then they'll go to the wind tribe next. Yeah. Okay. Potentially. Or just that they, that they have some allies within his kingdom. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah. Like they've got a pretty strong, well of support within the Copa yeah, King. I guess that is true. Because he's gotten a little confident with Say, where Moondock and uh, Hengde and Teu all technically backed him and yeah. didn't didn't really like go off with Hawk and Yona. So maybe he's thinking that that's just going to be how it is. Yeah. And that's but even so, he should have, I feel like, known how tenuous it was because he had to stop judo. Because he had to be like, look at the <laughs> yeah. that's being leveled at you right now. Like, if we want to leave here, like, we're so close to having everybody united. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know that I agree with you, but it's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. No, <laughs> no, it. please do. I would like you to that's fight it. for it. I, I have a good argument as to why that's not the case. That's my theory. Okay. Um, Very good. I'll think about it. But uh, where was I? Oh, this notion is further backed by Oji, who, though reluctant to betray Suwan, who is both king and Juan, who he holds dear, he can't forgive him for betraying his friends. And it as we discussed earlier, doesn't sit well with him, uh, particularly when it might mean that Suwon would even dispatch Oji if he got in the way. <laughs> um, so again, you know, a king might not be able to roll with the emotions, but his subjects do consider yeah. their emotions because Oji's doing that here. Be like, mm, I love this kid, but what he did was super fucked up. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, regardless of how good the kingdom has been since he's taken over. Um, right. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know that Suwon really knows that everybody only backs him tenuously. Because they're like, yeah, I mean, this was good for the kingdom, but he was really emotionally fucked up. So yeah. I think a lot of people are like, if something better comes along even a little bit, I'm probably going to back that. Hello, <laughs> surprise. Yona's a little bit better than that most of the time. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, but at the end of the day, OG is still an informant and he needs his palms greased. 
if he's going to help them. Uh, however, none of them have money. Uh, so this is when, drum roll, Ooh. Yona gives OG the hairpin <gasps> as payment. Oh my god. So much symbolism in this scene. Yes. So OG is shocked by its extravagance. Hawk is shocked because he knows what this thing has meant to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't even waver. Um, she's nope. just like, here you go. She's so work? determined. It doesn't mean anything to her anymore. As long as she can get Hawk what he needs, she's willing to do anything, including giving away this possession that she's lugged around. And the only thing that brought her out of her, like, grief coma in the beginning yeah oh we've come so far with my girl so og accepts and yona declares that they're counting on him end of chapter um and i just want to say like i feel like this is another reason that i'd call this arc the peak of yona's growth and development (laughs) because i mentioned last episode that you know she's reclaimed herself as a royal slash future ruler um and now she's also confronting the past and moving past it because this hairpin has been a symbol of her love for Suwan and then a reminder of a betrayal that they can still barely fathom. Um, but she is breaking the cycle and she doesn't need this reminder anymore. So you go, girl. She can finally let that go in service mm-hmm. of the greater good. True. So Good point. Yeah. All of the awards to my girl, Yona. She's All amazing. of the awards. Oh, I'm so proud of her. <laughs> yeah. So it's on that note that we end uh, this episode's recap. Any final thoughts? No, we talked about everything I had and more, actually. <laughs> Yay. Okay. We have gone on pretty long. Do we want to do anything or do we want to save it for? I think we're good. We'll save it. Sounds good. So, on that note, do you want to take us out? Yeah. I think you did it last week, which made me laugh. Okay. <laughs> you just like on autopilot took over. <laughs> No, I thought it was really funny. Um, yeah, so I, uh, we are, I am on social media. Uh, it's uh, Twitter, the Yonopod, uh, and also for Gmail, and then Tumblr's the Yonopodcast. Uh, I'm really bad at updating the Tumblr. Should do that. And uh, Evan is Witchy Evan on Twitter, and I am instead of writing without the A. So if you want to come chat with us or give me ideas of what questions to ask, because I looked down at my notes and I only have one left. So I got to think about those. (laughs) I have one. Mm. Okay, perfect. But if anybody else has some, please tweet at us or send it to us. Also, thank you to everyone who likes or retweets our episode. Um, updates like when we release a new episode it's really nice of you and it does help like new people find us so thank you yeah and thank you to our guest editor alex yes thank you so much i yeah the week off is really helping the burnout so thank you love that for you (laughs) okay and on that note we will see you all next week bye bye